Good morning and welcome to our Bible readings and our sermon from St. James this morning. Our first readings from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the first letter of Peter, chapter 3 and verses 1 to 7. And Peter wrote this. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewellery or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honour to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's pray as we come to look at our readings together. Father God, you have said that you would give wisdom to any who ask. And so we ask you to fill us with your wisdom and with your Holy Spirit that leads us into truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, I get the passage in our series on 1 Peter, which begins, In the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Yay! This isn't going to get me into trouble at all. Um, but it's interesting because it's, 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 it's clearly there. It's in scripture. It's what Peter writes. So as we think about wives accepting the authority of their husbands, uh, have a think for a second uh, about your own relationships. Have a think perhaps about your, your parents uh, and who had the authority in that relationship. Think about couples that you know, couples at church. Um, and aware the authority lies in those relationships. Uh, I was having a conversation uh, last Sunday about um, <laughs> with a couple of men about our wives, and and authority came up, and and certainly there was a sense from all of us that um, we loved our wives dearly, uh, but we were men under authority, uh, and there was a sense in which there. In certain areas and with certain aspects of household life, we were told what to do. And so it's really interesting to 
to look at this because the church historically and even today looks at this and gets quite stressed about what it means for men to have authority and for, for the man's place and a woman's place and, and how, that, how the world should be. And so it's really important to look at context, to look at who Peter was writing to about what he was trying to say. So uh, the most obvious point is the fact that we have uh, this section that wives must accept the authority of their husbands, which is followed in verse 7, saying, in the same way you husbands must give honour to your wives. So we start off with a sense of there being balance in Peter's approach. Peter is looking for uh, wives to obey their husbands, but for husbands to honour their wives. And it mirrors, to a certain extent, Paul's writing in Ephesians, uh, where he talks about wives submit to your husbands. Uh, but with the very next breath, he says, husbands Love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. So therefore the bar is set that if wives are submitting to their husbands, the husbands are sacrificing themselves for the good of their wives. So you have that mirroring that Peter is speaking to the wives, but also speaking to the husbands. Now, the other thing is whenever we're looking at the Bible, uh, there are always certain key phrases that just make little uh, flashing lights go off. Uh, and we have one of those here. So in uh, chapter three, verse one, in the same way, comma. So whenever we see that, uh, therefore is another one. Uh, whenever you see that at the start of a passage, it, it's got to start questions going off in your head in the same way, in the same way as what? In the same way as, as the husbands? No, that comes later. In the same way as? So, we go and we read before to see what this is about. So, and actually for us at St. James, because we're looking at Peter in detail, uh, we have to go back two weeks almost. So you have last week, we had uh, chapter three. Sorry, last week we had chapter two. Uh, verse 21 onwards, which is this hymn of praise as to who Jesus is. So God called you to good, even means suffering, just as Christ suffered. He is your example. You must follow in his steps. But just before that, uh, you had Peter writing, saying, uh, submit to all human authority. It's God's will that your honourable lives should silence ignorant people who make accusations against you. And then specifically he addresses slaves. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. God is pleased when you patiently endure unjust treatment. If you suffer for doing good, endure it patiently. God is pleased with you. So Peter has just spoken to slaves and said, be like Jesus. Follow his example. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. In the same way. Women, uh, let's get the phrase right, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. So you have this sense that Peter has addressed the issue of slaves uh, and how they are to live, what they are to do. Uh, and so now he say in the same way, let's talk about another group, let's talk about wives. In the same way you are to obey your husbands. So you have the sense that Peter isn't just picking on the women. 
actually he's addressing different groups of people and saying, this is what this means for you. We talked, uh, as we looked at the first chapters of 1 Peter, about how Peter was talking about us having a new identity, that we are aliens, that we are we are pilgrims, we are travellers through this world, but heaven is our home. And so having established that, established that we have a new identity in Jesus, he is now trying to unpack that for different groups of people. So two weeks ago, we looked at how he unpacked it for slaves, saying, yes, you are free. You are free in Jesus. You belong to God. But you also have a master. You also have an earthly situation. And, and you need to do your best within that. So in the same way as slaves have to stay in the situation that they are in and do their best within it. Women, who we have to remember, are property at this time in history. They belong to their father and then they are they are bought with a dowry and they are owned by their husbands. So in that context, they are receiving the gospel. And they go, we're free. We belong to God. Therefore, we don't belong to our husbands anymore. And Peter says, no. No, stay where you are. Don't, don't rip up every aspect of your life. You are free. You are a new creation. You are part of this, this new pilgrim people. But don't, don't throw away every part of your life. Continue as you are, but continue with the spirit of God within you. Continue in grace, in love, in life, in, in goodness. And so in that context, if you imagine a woman becoming a Christian where her husband is still a pagan, and there is a temptation on her side to say, he doesn't believe the same as me. I need to go and be free and be somewhere else. And you think about what that would throw up legally. But she's property. She can't just walk off. That, that's not how the world works in uh, 60 AD. You, you can't do that. And so therefore, what are they going to do? How are they going to manage this situation? And Peter says, well, manage it by by not running away don't do anything rash don't do anything silly you start off with being where you are it says accept the authority of your husbands and even if some refuse to obey the good news your godly lives will speak to them without any words they'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives so so your role is to be followers of jesus that's the primary thing. And you can be followers of Jesus in the marriage that you were in as you came to faith. So don't rip everything up, but submit to Christ. And as you submit to Christ, yes, obey your husband as you can and, and show them that there is life and peace and joy and light in you because you have found Jesus. Now, we know from Paul's letters that this was a live issue for the early church because women finally had a sense that they were equal. Uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They received spiritual gifts. They could prophesy. They could speak. They had something to say. Uh, and it's, it's very easy with your first taste of freedom to be excited, to be carried away, for that to be overwhelming. 
And so in the same way that Paul writes to different churches saying, um, women, be quiet in church. Don't gossip in church. If you've come, come and learn. Uh, come and submit to those who, who have not learned more than you do. Uh, and we've taken that to mean women can't preach um, 2,000 years on. That's a separate sermon for another day. But Paul and Peter are both writing to people whose situations, whose lives have completely changed. And so you have Peter going on to say, um, don't be concerned about outward beauty. Don't worry about your hair, your jewellery or your clothes. Instead, clothe yourself with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now, again, that feels quite controlling. That feels quite, you know, simmer down, dear. Just don't don't get too excited. Don't make a don't make a show of yourself. But actually think about it. If you are property, then you need to be attractive. You need to compete with other women who might be bought as wives. You need to stand out for your husband so that you're not replaced. When there is so little power in your life, then you use what power you have in terms of the way you look, in terms of uh, the way that you're perceived. And Peter is saying, you don't need to anymore. You're freed from that. It's not about how you look. It's about who you are. It's about the spirit that is within you. And you can relax. You can trust in that. It's, um, I, I was talking the other day about uh, back when I first went and worked as a, in a gap year for a church. And what I learned in that year, and at the end of that year, people said to me, what, what, what's God taught you? What have you learned? Working for the church, working with other Christians over a whole year. And I said, well, I think God's taught me to close my mouth. Because at 18, I thought that if I, was, if I wasn't making people laugh, if I wasn't holding people's attention with what I said, then I wasn't okay. I wasn't of value. You know, my, my talking was what set me apart. I wasn't going to uh, win prizes for my hair or my face. It was just, it was about the ideas and the fact that I thought I was funny. And over the course of that year, I realised that, that God loved me as I was. I didn't have to prove anything, so I could just be quiet. And uh, other people learned that a lot sooner. Uh, for me at 19, being quiet was a little bit of a revelation. Maybe you think that I've not changed very much since then, but that's, again, for another day. But Peter is writing to these women saying, relax. You have nothing to prove. God is in you, and that is beautiful. And you can rest in that beauty, in who you are in God. And then, finally, uh, we get to the husband's. In the same way, same phrase. So in the same way as the women, in the same way as the slaves, in the same way as we are all following the example of Jesus, in the same way you husbands must give honour to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but I love this. She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. It's amazing. This is 2,000 years ago, 
and Peter, one of the leaders of the early church, saying, your wife is your equal. Yes, you bought her, you own her, and in, in the society that you're in, you can tell her what to do and you can do all of that sort of stuff. But in God's eyes, you are equal. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Our other reading from Genesis is that, uh, that account of creation where God says, let us make humankind in our own image. Male and female, he created them. And there is that sense in, um, in our Genesis reading uh, from Genesis 1.26 that, that there is that equality baked in to being human. Actually, male and female are equal because that's how God has made us. Now, the challenge is from creation to uh, the early church, clearly things are not equal. Power is not equal. Women do not have uh, equal say, equal rights. Um, you know, one of the things that we see in the Gospels is Jesus talks to women uh, and treats them <laughs> treats them with equality, um, even though they can't, they don't have equal status. He asks Mary Magdalene to go and tell the other disciples that he's alive, even though her testimony is not acceptable in a Jewish court because she's a woman. And so things are still unequal. And yet Peter is saying, men, your wife is your equal before God. And you have this lovely phrase, treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. And there is that sense of, not threat, but sense of, if you don't get this aspect of your life right, actually there will be consequences that will hinder your relationship with God. Because as you appreciate your wife as your equal, as you learn through her and the different gifts she has, your prayers, your prayer life, your understanding of God will be enriched, will be enhanced. This is in your interest. So what you have here is rather than Peter putting women in their place and saying, enough of the makeup, enough of the jewellery. This is Peter continuing Jesus' ministry of trying to lift women up and, you know, do some mansplaining and giving some very um, male advice. But saying you're equals, you can rest in who you are, you can know who you are, this is all good. And saying to the whole of the church, you are now equal. Don't rip up where you are, don't rip up um, the society that you're in, accept where you are. But know that you are now the property of God that you belong to him, you are serving him, and ultimately your destination, your home is with him and will be forever. Now for us, the difficulty is that we read this as an instruction manual and think, oh, so uh, Peter says, um, women accept authority of your husbands, um, and, and, and don't no no hair no fancy hairstyles no expensive jewelry no beautiful clothes, and we take it as being, or well, read it we read it two thousand years on without understanding the context, 
that Peter is trying to help people who are newly free, newly experiencing the life of the Spirit in them and the freedom that comes from Jesus and trying to help them make sense of it and trying to help them just maintain relationships and find a way forward. Uh, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about our Hindu, um, let me rephrase that, thinking about our brothers and sisters who have come from a Hindu background. And actually the real challenge that of someone coming to faith, coming to Christianity when their family are still Hindu. And the questions that raises around, well, what happens at Diwali? What happens at our family gatherings, our family festivals? What what do you do? Are you still part of us? Are you still with us? Are you still our family? And it's it's a difficult challenge for those people because what Peter says is don't rip everything up, but remember that you belong to God. And so we have members of St. James who uh, still meet with their family for Diwali, for those celebrations, but don't take part in uh, the worshipping of idols, in, in making offerings. And they're working out what it means to be uh, a wife to someone who does not follow Jesus, to be a, a daughter or a son to someone who doesn't follow Jesus, but still to respect and honour them and to honour that relationship whilst being secure that actually God has them, God knows them, and God will hold them forever. I think for me, the difficulty is that I've always understood myself as Christian, and my understanding has deepened, my understanding has changed, but I, I have never had that rush of excitement of, it's different. It's new. I, I'm free. I don't have to do those things. I'm, oh, wow. And part of the need of the church to continue in evangelism and in mission is that where we've seen that at St. James has been in those who've come to faith the last three or four years. Um, not exclusively from a Hindu background, we've had those who've come from uh, Muslim backgrounds, from uh, agnostic background, but that sense of when someone is newly released in faith, newly freed from, from guilt and from sin and from shame, we see in them that excitement that I think Peter is addressing in his letter. And so as people are excited about their new faith, then like Peter would say, that's fantastic. But go gently, go quietly, understand you, that you are secure in God. Without the, <clears throat> the outward signs don't matter, how you dress doesn't matter, um, where you live don't, doesn't matter, who you're continuing to be married to someone who doesn't share that faith doesn't matter for now. For now, just understand more fully what it means to be Christian. If you are like me, that you, you've forgotten what it is to not be Christian. Actually, the challenge here is um, to recapture some of that passion. To, to actually spend some time thinking about what God has done for us, how God has freed us. Uh, and thinking about 
well, what difference does it make? Is it just that we dress differently to other people? Is it that we don't swear at work? Is that it? Because for me, if we are Christian, it shouldn't just be about we don't do things that non-Christians do. There should be a joy that comes from our relationship with God. And that, for me, is a constant check and accountability. It's like, can people see that I'm excited to know Jesus? Can people see that the Holy Spirit is in me and that is life and light and joy? And if not, well, then maybe something is hindering my prayers. In which case, what? We are sadly in a society where people are condemned by their gender, by their sexuality, by their ethnicity, by their co the colour of their skin. There is something about the church standing against that and standing for everyone, not just for our own group, but standing for the whole of humanity and saying everyone has a place. The Paralympics are coming up. Uh, and people will celebrate the achievements of those who've sacrificed so much, um, despite having impairments in, in various ways. But it's against the backdrop of um, uh, austerity and so many ways in which our society disables people from being part of life. Uh, you know, drop-down curbs are such an issue. Um with the unmasking, anyone who is clinically vulnerable, they can't come out and do shopping still. John Root, uh, because of previous illnesses, he's not been on public transport for 16 months. He's staying at home. And so actually we need to be advocating for those who are, who are struggling in whichever way. And I think when Peter speaks to the husbands, he's speaking to those with power those who have the ability to do something different. And so therefore, for those of you who are, have been Christian a long time, think about what power you have and how you can use that for other people who are maybe newer in their faith uh, or struggling under uh, the structures and the institutions that we live with. I feel like I might have gone off topic slightly. Uh, but for such a challenging passage, I think there is so much in there for us. So please do read the whole of 1 Peter for yourself, just to get today's passage in the context of the whole thing. And just be encouraged. We are God's people. We belong to him. And that will never change. Whether we are slaves, whether we are women, whether we are husbands, it doesn't matter. His spirit is in us and he is leading us on. Let's pray. Let's say thank you to him for that. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being in us. And we come to you in our own different situations, whether we are slaves, 
and having to deal with economic realities, whether we are wives and at the mercy of, of other people in some way. Whether we are husbands and those who have power, those who have control over the situations others face. Would you again fill us with that sense of being your people, united by one spirit? And would you keep us focused on Jesus? Recognising him as being the source of our identity. That we might love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And from that, love our neighbours as ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, thank you very much for watching, listening, however you've consumed this. Uh, and I hope to see you soon. God bless.